0: The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your host, me Patrick Lunn and
1: me Rob Davis.
0: Today we have a superb episode for you guys. We will be doing a uh, a Paranet Podcast speed run. Um, as uh, you've probably noticed, uh, we've been a little absent recently um and that's kind of due to life in general has been um i guess filling up uh bits of our time um but we are dedicated to the podcast we're not going anywhere and we know that you guys aren't going anywhere either uh so we are going to keep on going so don't worry about that uh so tonight to make sure that you guys get an episode this week we are going to skip our para networking section and dive Head first into our Dresden Files book club um, and just do that this week. Um, So, our Dresden Files book club, uh, as I explain every week, is mine and Rob's attempt to go through all of the comic books, um, short stories, microfictions, novellas, and uh, full blown novels of the Dresden Files. Saga series, whatever you want to call it, by Jim Butcher. Uh we are currently um about halfway through, a little bit more than halfway through. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, of the sixth book in the series, Blood Rights. Um which uh we're, we're thoroughly enjoying, uh, I think it's fair to say. Um, so, as we do every week, um, uh, we will kick off with me talking about the previous four chapters uh, that we read, and then Rob will tell us about the, this week's four chapters, and then we will dive into the juicy kind of analysis, criticism, uh, as you will. Uh, so, last time on The Dresden Files. Uh, we had Chapter 17, uh, where Dresden activated his belt and took a big hit of mana. This was as they were surrounded by the uh, Black Court, Lara Wraith, and the Melokio, the uh, kind of entropy curse, was building. So Dresden needed to power up uh, Dresden then offers a truce to Lara, who agrees to take it as long as they work together to take out the Black Court vampires. Marvra, through her Black Court thralls, tries to taunt Harry. Harry saves Inari from some vamps. Uh, he then redirects the entropy curse to cause a frozen turkey to fall out of the sky and kill a Black Court vampire. Inari and Harry start to get overwhelmed. Thomas gets up and goes full white court beast mode using all his energy thomas uh, drops once he sees that anari is safe and out of danger anari also passes out and dresden is left with two kind of out of it people lara sees off the last two of the black court vampires and then asks harry for help getting to safety with her kin that takes to chapter 18 where harry Takes the Wamps or White Court Vampires to his Beetle. Uh, there's a bit of joking, and Lara reveals that the White Court Vampires have assessed the defences of Harry's home. The crew head to the White ho- uh, Court Vampires' safe house in Little Sherwood, uh, where they are met by one Lord Wraith, our first Vampire Court Lord, who turns up with a pair of bodyguard twins. That takes us to chapter 19, where Lord Wraith almost kills Harry, but Lara steps in. Lara takes Thomas and Harry up to the house. Justine is waiting to be fed on by Thomas. Lara tells Harry that Thomas will kill Justine in his feeding. Harry tries to talk Justine out of being fed on, but he passes out and she goes through with it. That takes us to chapter 20, where Harry awakes. And is met with Thomas, who won't say how Justine is. Harry is furious and storms into a room to get himself together. Unfortunately, Inari comes in. She tries to feed on Harry, uh, which would be her first feed and would make her a full white court vamp. Harry resists and luckily Thomas intervenes in the nick of time. Thomas explains about Lord Wraith and what a dick he is. Uh, he then takes Harry through another wing of the Wraith mansion to a portrait gallery where Lord Wraith has painted each of his lovers. He shows Harry an image of his mother and reveals that Harry and Thomas are at least half brothers. Bum 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 Um Yeah. Rob over to you man.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a proper EastEnders like cliffhanger we left things on, like soap opera type thing. Doom doom doom
0: doom doom doom. You
1: can almost see it <laughs> in my head. Um yeah, uh, so we we roll in like chapter twenty one picking up exactly where we left off, just like a soap opera. Um Naturally, Harry doesn't believe Thomas because, you know, why the fuck would he? Um, And he kind of lashes out at him. It's a bit like I had this perfect image in my head when I was um, reading this chapter, and it's basically just him, like, like two, like I don't know, like young kids just kind of fighting over a piece of Lego, like just slapping through. No, it's mine. Like that kind of vibe. I know
0: exactly what you mean. He
1: doesn't. I don't think it's described as him like properly hitting Thomas. He's like basically slapping him. (laughs) Like slapping him on the chest kind of thing, and Thomas is just there like, yeah, I know. I know you don't want to believe it, but come on now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Thomas also reveals here that Inari and Bobby like each other, and that he believes that if their love is blossoming, if it's true, if it's pure love, whatever you want to call it, then it might have a chance at getting rid of the I guess the white court vampire demon that resides inside of Inari. Um Yeah. Yeah, like a, it acts as kind as a kind of exorcism, I suppose. Like it's one of those traditional kind of things of she's not like a full blown white court vampire until she makes her first feed. So if she can avoid doing that then it's all good. It's all good, baby. Um and speaking of uh, Lord Wraith being a bit of a dick, we also find out here that he feeds upon his own daughters, which is pretty fucked up. Um, and if, I mean,
0: it's really it's fucked up.
1: Yeah, like it, I'm just trying to remember because it's been like, I read these chapters a week ago in preparation to record and then we just didn't. Um, my fault mainly. But from what I remember, he does it as a kind of like to keep them in line, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Um. I mean, we'll get onto that in a bit, but um. Thomas is convinced that the only way to like prove they share a parent is to soul gaze, but he's 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 still pretty hesitant about this for the obvious reason of he's done some super shady shit in the past, and you know, soul gaze is going to reveal all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah in any case they, they soul gaze and I I really like this because you get the normal version of Thomas arguing of like his vampiric version which is like you know yeah. white whited out eyes and shit the kind of sparkling marble-ish version I guess like when he goes beast mode and stuff and it, it kind of shows that inner conflict that he's always having um, it's pretty cool but it it gets cooler, so yeah. Um, they are both met by a kind of mental projection slash recording of uh their mother, uh, Margaret Lafay, um, and she left mm-hmm. a bit like herself in both of them. So you know, knowing that they would one day need each other, all this kind of stuff, um, and yeah, like kind of confirms that you know. Yes, you're both you're both brothers, half brothers, but still brothers nonetheless. Blah blah blah, and it's it's a really touching moment for Harry, and probably Thomas as well. Um, but Harry's mother gives him some insight, visualized as a gem, and asks Harry to help Thomas and stand by him. And after the yeah. subways, days, Thomas reveals, you know, that he saw their mother too. Um, there's a there's a bit more talking that goes on about this, and a bit more of a reveal about Lord Wraith and again, kind of adding to the dickheadness of him it's revealed that there's like you know, Thomas has been the only male child of his that's lived this long because, you know he just flat out kills them and his way of feeding it's like he, he basically just looks at you and can kill you with a touch and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? It's
0: yeah I don't know why, but it it always makes you think of like um <laughs> like uh the funds or like shaft or something from the eighties where it's like <laughs> with just one look, and all the women are just like,
1: ah! <laughs> yeah I mean I get that, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> um yeah, we roll on to chapter twenty two where Harry leaves the um I was about to say the Dresden household, the Rafe household, and he pulls himself together and like we do in any kind of Dresden book where a lot of information is thrown at us, we have to check in with our friend Bob. Um, And also, you may recall Bob was sent on a few errands. He had to go find Mavra's base, which turns out to be pretty hidden, so he's not found it yet, but he's narrowed it down to a few places that he suspects may be the right location. Um, Also, turns out that he's just spent a lot of time at some strip joints, so it's typical Bob um in any case harry sends him I love,
0: back i love his um his reasoning there is that he wanted to ensure that all the strip joints of chicago were protected from mavra
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> any excuse <laughs> um and yeah it, it, harry also starts to try and make sense out of um you know thomas being his brother and how this changes everything which i mean we still feel those changes now where we are in the series like uh, peace talks in the other one background. Yeah. Um, chapter twenty three. Harry jokes that Murphy's like, like Harry and Murphy like meet up prior to this meeting with um Engaid, and, and she pulls up on like a motorcycle, which Harry describes as a giant vibrator, which is, I don't know, I. It, it's a weird thing because like, I, I get that it's more kind of poking fun out of her height, I guess. Yeah. But it's, just, I don't know. It, eh, whatever. It, it, it's, it's strange.
0: It feels like something that would appear in like Sex in the City or something. Of like, um, like, that's the reason that all women love motorbikes. Um... <laughs> It's, just, it's a bit weird in Dresden, but sure. I can roll with it.
1: Take what I can get, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, he, he doesn't tell Murphy about Thomas right, at all. I don't think he tells anyone at this point. And, I mean, fair enough. You're, you're kind of processing it yourself, so why would you? Um, yeah. Yeah, like, at the local IHOP, Dresden, Murphy and Kincaid meet. And they have a bit of breakfast. Yum yum yum. Um. And spent... spends. Do you have been to an IHOP? I have not. Or at least, if I have, I have no memory of it. I
0: I have. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Sorry. Yes, we'll talk about it later. In the I'm so close. In the um,
1: Kingade tries to kind of push Murphy as much as possible, like just kind of just constantly goading her, being like, "Oh, why is she here? She's a woman. Her huh. women. Her." Huh all this kind of stuff. I mean, I think he's a bit less sexist about it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and they start putting a plan together for like, dealing with Mavra. Um, yeah, like, like, I can't remember what Murphy does. I think she pulls a gun on like Kincaid or something, and he does the whole cheesy thing of, I like this one, Dresden. You should keep her around. And it's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Harry also works out that the ritual, the entropy curse, sorry, is on a timer and it's about to happen again. Yes. Chapter 24. Harry meets up with Genosa and they talk about the whole situation situation? Situation. And Genosa steals himself. Harry starts to set up defences around the building and tells some of the actors, including uh, Bobby and Jake that he's doing, I can't even remember what he said he was doing. Um, feng Shui, yeah, like he's, what is he even doing? I can't actually remember. Is he just lighting candles and shit in like parts of the room, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's just
0: like setting up like the magical versions of like barricades and uh, stuff, yeah. basically. Um, um, but he tells them all that he's doing Feng Try.
1: Bobby is uh, still trying to settle on a porn name, which. Oh man, I I didn't think to write down any of like the names that he was coming up with because some of them are pretty hilarious, but I just can't remember <laughs> what they are off the top of my head. Um, see, so yeah, maybe uh, like, <laughs> like I'm pretty on. sure
0: that I'm pretty sure there's one that like because he's like it's a bit of a thinker. And it's something that is like straightforward as like Max Dynamite or something.
1: Yeah, like it. Um... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like um, yeah, straight out of our screenplay skin flick. To be honest, but uh, yeah. Um, In any case, uh, Bobby apologizes to Harry as well for being a dickhead earlier in the book, which is fair enough. They shake hands, which is which is freaked me out because of COVID actually. <laughs> like it took me out. Like, don't shake his hand. That's weird. Um Yeah, like Murphy You might also, have the thing. Yeah, like you got you could have a fist bump at least or just not acknowledge each other at all. Um Yeah, Murphy also calls up and reveals that Otorio has taken out another marriage license for wife number four. And at this point, like none other than Trixie What's her name again? Is it Trixie something? Vixen. That was it. Tri- Trixie Vixen. Trixie Vixen comes in and she's brandishing like a huge fucking revolver, but like she pulls the phone out the wall and is like on a little cell phone and she's just like, oh yeah, the wizard? Yeah, I found him. Yeah. And then like Harry's like, hey, is that a huge ass revolver? Or are you just pleased to see me? Or oh. He doesn't say that at all. I made that up. Sorry. <laughs> But so that's where we end with chapters. This man. Week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's. Th- this is a really, really strong, um, set of chapters. I think. Oh, um probably. I think we get we get a good mix of, Dresden-y goodness. Mm. Um, uh, especially, um, so we've got like the emotional, uh, payoff with his mother, uh, which we'll talk about more in a minute. Um, you then got some classic Bob the Skull action, which I think everyone loves Bob the Skull. Um, and then, uh, we're, we're it's kind of like, um, a bit more grounded um, back onto kind of detective mode, um, except he's now like creating these defenses. Um, and we've also got this little like scene between uh, Murphy, uh, Kincaid and Dresden, which I, th- I think adds a lot to be honest. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Cause you see that uh, you see what Kincaid thinks murphy expects him to be like yeah um it's a very like mind gamesy kind of bit but it's very like Kincaid's trying to test what murphy thinks of him and kind of place murphy is she worth fighting alongside is she um and that really like that i found really interesting i think um So, yeah, um, I think we've got quite a few points to kind of discuss here. So uh, the first bit I think that's worth talking about is uh, Harry and Thomas um, and their kind of um, uh, arguing that then turns into a soul gaze. Um, How did you find that, Rob?
1: I really enjoyed it. I think the initial reaction kind mean, of not not took me out of it a bit but I think with how he was like the whole you know like crying and slapping him a bit I thought it was a bit unnecessary like mm-hmm. I mean I, I get that he's in a bit of a you know shocked disbelief because there's a portrait of his mum and Thomas is like yo we're bros and be, like being related to a quote unquote monster is going to be hard to deal with at the best of times I suppose but I feel, given who Dresden is at this point in the series, it—I I know it just—it just felt a bit not out of character, but for lack of a better expression, a bit out of character.
0: Yeah, I
1: get that. Um, but I mean, uh, certainly. Other, other than that, I, I really enjoyed the scene, especially—I mean, more referring here to when I first read it, but I think it blew my fucking mind, like as soon as i finished that like scene i think i it, it was one of those ones where like i instantly put the book down and just started fucking spam texting you being like oh my god harry and thomas are brothers what huh what does this mean what does it mean pat um but no i, I overall i really liked it it's it, it's good it's some good shit
0: i think it um it clarifies as well that Thomas is a good person.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, there's a line. I think it's in this chapter as well. Before he leaves, like the Wraith place, um, he mentions, and it, it answers a question that I think I had a few chapters ago, which was, um, does Thomas know they're related? And I think he can he straight up confirms, like, oh, this, this is this is like it's new for you, but I've known for a while. And yeah. it, like when when you know that his behavior in like grave peril in the previous book, um, Death Masks, uh, it it kind of makes sense why he was like helping Harry. And it makes I mean I say it makes sense. He flat out says that's why he's been helping Harry the last few months. So at the start of this book slash whatever adventures they want him beforehand, it it explain that's the explanation. He's doing it because I guess he's protecting Harry.
0: okay uh yeah I um I definitely I agree with that I think um we also see kind of why when he's been selfish and stuff like the monster can still get through it's really interesting because it's like it kind of shows that the Thomas on the outside maybe you can't trust but there is a good Thomas in there yeah because um, like the, the stuff with like Justine when she got Captured in death masks, no. Um, grave peril. Grave peril. When she got captured in grave peril, uh, Thomas acted more selfishly at that point. Yeah. Um, and I think we we can see like both the duality of Thomas, if you will. Mm. Um. Uh. But yeah. Uh. So I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um. What was your impression of
1: Margaret Le Fay? Um, again, I wish that I took more notes on this when I was reading it at the time. Um, but again, it, it's a scene that I really enjoyed it, it, it I, don't know, I wouldn't say it answered more questions, but I think, I think I think having the answer that you know she does care about her son was something that was very much needed. Um, especially, especially at the start of this chapter when you find out she was uh Lord Wraith's, one of his lovers and all that kind of thing so I think you you kind of think who what kind of person would throw in their lot with uh, you know a bunch of quote unquote monsters um very much so and and
0: I mean I think it's I think up to this point in the story maybe Jim could have turned it that Uh, Le Fay was like the great villain yeah Um, uh, when like the white council everyone is kind of nervous about her and um, she seems to have this reputation with all these like big creatures and big powers Um, I think even Nicodemus knows of her Um, it's mentioned
1: yeah, I think every um, I think everything and everyone that's evil at least knows her by reputation.
0: Exactly, and it's a bit like, okay, so she obviously travelled in some rough circles, um, but this scene here, like it, her love of Harry, at least and, um. Her goodness, I guess, shines through. Um, it's it is a great scene, and I, I still like listening to it. You you get the feeling that she's a very strong-willed woman. Mm. Um, and and it, I think it starts to piece together what we we certainly learn more about. But I think we can already kind of put together that she obviously had her own way of dealing with the world um, and she was very much a, like Dresden was a was a troublemaker in so much as if she saw something she didn't agree with she spoke out definitely um, yeah which is really cool and I'm very interested to know what she stood against I guess um, but I'm sure we'll learn more about that as we go on oh man I hope so um, yes me too <laughs> um so, I've got two questions for this uh, this little section. Um, first one, what do you think Thomas saw in
1: Harry? Good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've not given that any thought, really, yet.
0: I always... I always think of it as like... Um, i guess uh uh like a cliff side or something like being hit by wave after wave and then realizing that beneath like the the soft limestone and the the weak bits there's like this core of of like a a steel cliff face <laughs> or something um and that's like Dresden's kind of iron iron will to keep going mm-hmm. um and that, that kind of... It's almost like... It's not even like steel. It's like adamantium. So strong. And that's what is so intimidating about Dresden. Is that he is an unstoppable force. Um, but um, it, it would be very interesting. Uh, maybe when like the series resolves. To see that scene from Thomas's perspective. At some point. Um, I agree. Or, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or Mar- when Marcone soul is dressed in Stormfront, it would have been great to see that
1: from his perspective. Um, I mean, from what I remember, and, uh, it's something I might go back and check if I can find the time. But when uh, Harry and Marcone soul gazed, I remember Harry seeing basically, you know, what we all know about Marcone, a bit of a ruthless crime lord, so he's obviously done some horrible shit. But I remember there being a. I think it was described as like. You know, Harry saw everything but pretended not to show any fear because Marcone was basically yeah. basically did the same. like He didn't flinch at any of it.
0: Yeah, he definitely like looks rattled after they saw Gaze, but he's very like, we, yeah, i mean, good I, like, I'm I with
1: mean, kind of like he knows that Harry is like a total badass who will actually follow through with twatting him with a massive stick after yeah. saying that he would.
0: And I guess that's um that's where I'm going with the, the idea of like the the core of, of steel or whatever. Like Marco knows that this guy's not just uh he's not a bullshitter.
1: Defos. I guess.
0: Um and then my other question for you is do you think that this scene rules out any other potential siblings?
1: I would say no. And weirdly, that is something I say I was thinking about it uh, when I read this chapter last week. It's something that kind of gave me like a you know a passing thought of that's a possibility. But then before thinking any more of it, I just carried on with whatever I was doing. <laughs> but, I mean, um... it's something that I would, I say that I'd like, but it would be an interesting dynamic for another sibling to pop up but not have them be like, good. Like, they're just straight up evil villain. That can't change.
0: Yeah. I could see them going down that route. I feel like I mean, even at this point, it was I I guess it was the right amount of time really at this point to reveal that Thomas was the brother. But I feel like where we're at at the series now, where we're like 16 seventeen books in um I, I I feel like maybe it's a bit too late but if they've done something in, in if like the big reveal of changes was that one of the the main cast of characters or even a, a, a even a bit character someone like the soul taker who will we'll talk about in hmm. the next book uh if it revealed that like she was a she was a Dresden uh, or uh Le Fay. um I that could have that could have been another way to do a really big reveal, I guess
1: oh definitely my oh, goodness
0: um, <laughs> so yeah so uh there's not much more to talk about here um uh seems pretty cool um I think Harry's mother giving the the kind of, like, you've got to look after each other. Um, Harry takes that incredibly seriously, and that's something that we see even to the most recent book, uh, that Harry sees his duty to look after Thomas as, like, paramount um, over, over basically anything <clears throat> else. Family is so important to him because he's never really had it. Um, so then we get... Uh, Chapter 22 uh, with the debrief from Bob um, talks about uh, not being able to find Marvel's base. Um, I really like this scene because Harry kind of loses it a bit. Like, he's he's kind of got too much on his mind, too many emotions. And Bob's like, oh, I've just been doing my normal, like, (laughs) funny me boobs um, thing. And um, Harry's just like, I, I can't deal with this today. Go out until you find what I need you to find. Yeah. Actually be some use. Um, and uh, it's, um, I think it shows that Harry's, like, instead of being this un- unflappable detective, is a little bit more. Flappable. He's flapped yeah <laughs> uh it's it's him and uh i think he's starting to try and unpack what it what it means because this is a big thing for him um but he just doesn't have time right now and that he starts to try and make sense of what thomas being his brother changes but he, he just doesn't have time to think about it and that's when murph obviously uh, appears um I think it's it's quite telling that Harry doesn't say anything about Thomas to Murphy. I was a bit surprised about that.
1: Yeah, I I can't even remember when he does. Cause, I mean, obviously he does at some point, but in my head it was something he did like immediately because that's what he does. Yeah, I
0: I if I remember rightly, I think it is still this book. Um. But especially as we see that Murphy is dealing with family problems, yeah, um, in this book, it would make a lot more sense to me if Harry had tried to open up to her about this and um, and really talk to her, yeah, uh, uh, as a friend and like how do I deal with this. But I also think that the, a bit of this is Harry's like white knight issue of. Um, I'll help you with your your personal shit, but um, a man doesn't share his personal stuff with a lady. Uh, which, um, yeah, that's it's a bit. Um, I don't know their relationship can be can be a little strange at times because of Harry's inexperience talking to women and, and his his issues there. Um, and we see that reflected a little bit with Kincaid at IHOP. Uh, so I was going to say, yes, I have been to, to a couple of IHOPs, uh, in, um, in and around Florida, some, uh, really good. Um, uh, and I just remember getting absolute, like, s- like six or seven pancakes, like stacked, like properly stacked with like bacon on the side. Um, so hell of a choice uh, for planning a heist. Uh, I did also have one bad experience at an IHOP where um, the like syrup jug um, that they keep on the tables for the pancakes mm. um, had uh, a dead fly, like like um, like a like a fly in amber, like Jurassic Park, just mm. like in the center of it, oh, no. uh, and it's just like, oh. Uh, oh, that was kind of grim.
1: <laughs> yeah that is mm. yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but then again if there was enough syrup for me to drown myself in it maybe I would too so I,
1: I can't judge that fly too harshly <laughs> um. I mean that's fair enough <laughs> maple syrup is a thing of beauty so I, I am perfectly willing to die in that so <laughs>
0: I uh, actually I uh, like staying on topic uh <laughs> i do also love maple syrup um i once had had a very good friend buy me <clears throat> a, a very good friend from from canada buy me um a set of maple syrup uh tea bags yeah uh, that made like maple syrup tea and they were gorgeous really um, really nice
1: sounds incredible
0: they, they they, were, they were incredible um, but yes, uh, so IHOP uh, and Kincaid brings out, he brings out the sexism uh, and I think he knows that this is gonna rile Murphy up um, even though it's something that she's been dealing with in her career as a police officer for a long time, I think um, outside of the law particularly um, being told that like She's not good enough for this, um, and kind of hitting some of her insecurities uh King Cage just goes all out guns blazing here to try and get a rise out of her um and credit to Murphy she does bloody well with 'cause he he is really going in on her yeah he's a proper dick he? um <laughs> he is and rereading it, I'd forgotten like the the kind of turn in in a minute where he like kind of goes um. Like oh yeah sorry I was just trying to push you, um, I was like oh I forgot Kincaid is just a dick, <laughs> yeah.
1: um,
0: but no there there is there is more to to him um, and and there is even more to him as we will discover as we go on but uh, he's uh, this scene here uh, also shows like the professionalism of Kincaid and his ability to kind of work out if his teammates are going to be good if they're going to be useful um so i thought that was really cool uh talking about marvra um basically kincaid is like right so she's a vampire and a spellcaster and she's got human people on the ground this is going to be a tough one um and uh while they're talking harry works out about the ritual being on a timer and gets himself off to uh, the the studio. And that takes to chapter twenty four. Uh, Harry talks to Genosa, and this actually this scene gave me so much respect for the character of Genosa. Um I mean, he he is a very interesting character because the way he's presented at first, I just saw like leisure uh, leisure suit Larry yeah. kind of guy, uh, but but like the way that like he's trying to like tackle like ethics in the porn industry which is something that that is a whole subject to itself really um but um this scene here where he's like these are my people they're putting their careers on the line for me and now a child aka anari has been hurt due to my uh, like vendettas against me um is the responsible thing here to to call it and protect everyone? Yeah. Uh, or is the responsible thing here to keep going and to save everyone's careers. Um and I think Harry talks to Archiro here and uh like kind of says like it's a decision that only you can make but you need to decide if you are protecting these people, or if you are leading them. And Archiro basically says I'm gonna lead them. Um and yeah, I think that it shows again that he's he's got a bit of something more something that pushes him further that um it's kind of in a in a very strange way ad- admirable yes. um so then uh obviously uh Harry starts setting up the defenses talks about feng shui uh which seems to really interest uh Jake. Um, and that's something that will, it, it kind of comes up again a little bit later. So that's one worth remembering. And then I was just trying to get the, um, I was just trying to get the moment where Bobby is talking about the names. Uh, Could I just, yeah, I mean, they're, they are incredible names. Uh, so, uh we're almost there uh they I at ihop do, do 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 god that conversation goes on a while uh, <laughs> um and then um into the chapter uh feng shui um um Jake talking about... Fr- oh, okay, here we go. Uh, so Bobby, uh, Bobby turns up uh, and asks, what do you think of Rocco Stone or maybe Rack McGranite? Uh, and then <laughs> Jake's like, Rocco is already overdone and Rack's a more of a girl thing. Uh, to which Bobby replies, oh, right. And then Jake goes with, Go with something non standard man, how about Goan? Goan, Bobby asks. Sure, he was a knight. Like the round table guys? Yeah, like that. It sounds kinda soft, don't you think? Maybe, Jake said, stiffen it up with a heavier last name, like Commando. Bobby frowned. Goan Commando, he said, and from his tone, the kid just didn't get it. I guess that might I guess that might work. Thanks, man. He pauses and knows me for the first time. Oh, hey, uh, Harry, right? <laughs> um, yeah, Go and Commando, I love. <laughs>
1: yeah. I wish we'd thought of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we probably were the ones with Max Dynamite, like I said before. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Go and Commando, Rack McGranite and Rocco Stone. You know that Jim had some fun coming up with those.
1: I mean... To be fair, if we used any of those three, we'd probably have a hit TV show with Skinflake. Just saying.
0: We probably would.
1: I mean, we might not, but we would have at least gotten like a first in that assignment. <laughs> I mean, we probably wouldn't have even got that. But we would have had fun, is probably the more important thing to take away from this.
0: Yeah. The spirit of, of Jim Butcher would have been behind us. <laughs> Uh, not to say that Jim is dead. Jim is very much alive, but his, his, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, then uh, yeah, we had that really nice moment. Of Bobby uh, says, "Sorry for being a dick," and you get the feeling that like these are kind of good people uh, here, or at least they're people that are doing the best they can with tragedy. Um, like they're they're dealing with people dying around them for goodness sake so obviously like tempers are going to be high, emotions are going to be high so um, it's understandable Um, and then yes we get the moment with Trixie walking into the room huge revolver uh, big big moment Um, yeah Um, we'll kind of pick that up next week is there anything else that you wanted to cover
1: Rob? Uh, not Not that I can think of. I think we really hit the stuff that we wanted to talk about today.
0: Fab, yeah. Uh, So, like I said, uh, this was uh, a little bit of a quicker episode, and this was just to guarantee that you guys got an episode this week, uh, because, as I say, we're we're kind of very busy at the moment. Uh, But we will be continuing with uh, bonus episodes and RPG episodes uh, and of course, our main episodes every week, as we always do. Um, Rob, do you want to take us out?
1: Yeah, as always, thank you for the support. We've crossed over 6,100 downloads, and they keep going up. Despite the <laughs> last week or so. Um, as yeah, I just said, as always, share... No, wait, did I? I can't remember. I'll say it again if case. Uh Share, follow, subscribe. We're on all your favourite social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, uh, the other one, Facebook. And uh, at some point, I'm sure we'll have a TikTok when we're allowed to meet up. Um, <laughs> we can now. Apparently, the pandemic's over over here. It's not. Um, and next week, we'll be doing chapters 25, 26, 27, and 28 of Blood Rights. And yeah, crack open a can of Coke, enjoy the sun. You've been listening to the Paranet podcast with your hosts, me, Rob Davis and Patrick Lunn. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.